Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness. I'm Luke Byron and today we have a very special episode for you. Myself, Keenan and TK wrapped up an interview last week with the director of Wedding Crashes, David Dobkin. And we got stuck into everything about the film, the casting, what it was like working with the stars and the cast that they have, Christopher Walken's sense of humour and all sorts more. Hopefully you enjoy it. Start fanboying apologies. I love it. I thank you. I thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> I mean, essentially what, what we did is we, we used to talk... Uh, sports every week and then everything was shut down with uh, the virus yeah. and so yeah, we yeah. went back and we were looking back at our favorite comedy movies of our lifetime and Wedding Crashes is oh, right, right so at the top great. of it so I mean who better to talk to than the man that made the film I'm happy to talk about it it was a fun one thank you I mean yeah. so last week marked the 15th anniversary I think it was of um, the film coming out yeah. can you think back to when it came out, were you nervous to see how it did? And I mean, would you think that you'd still be talking about it 15 years later? No, I definitely, you know, I, I think when something like that happens, there's no way you can have, when something breaks into the zeitgeist like that of culture and people using it and Obama talking about it, <laughs> it, it's very strange. I mean, I knew from the test screenings that the movie ran really great in the theater. And uh, like shockingly good, it surprised us. Um, and we really didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we opened opposite like Willy Wonka, and there was like really big movies every week, and we just thought we were going to get creamed. Um, and then something happened, and they were, you know, the number was something like twenty-two is what they thought. And I was like, wow, that would be amazing. And then as the weekend went. Saturday was bigger than Friday. Sunday was bigger than Saturday. It was total fluke and you know by the end of the weekend we had kind of made history and then it kept on running for so long it just you know it held in there for a really long time and um it was very surprising it was fun it helps doesn't it because it appeals to just about every audience like it applies to um, like the young lads watching it and then it applies to the women going for the wedding kind of thing and it, you've got everybody the grandmothers came. That was the shocker. The whole, the whole thing that was insane was that, and I remember going to peek in a theater on opening weekend and seeing all these women with their blue hair. And I was like, oh my God, what are they doing here? They're going to be like offended. And it turned out they drove that extra 30% on that opening weekend and they drove the movie. I mean, almost like the way Titanic kind of just took yeah. off because they just loved the fun rascally men in suits you know there was just something that spoke to that group and um yeah it, it was it was really fun and it definitely crossed over into so many different um demographics yeah. you know when something happens like that you don't you don't feel like you're you're necessarily a part of it you look at it and you're just like the movie just you know every weekend i check to see how you know it's like having a kid in the world Check on the tech grades, you know, how's he doing this week? But it doesn't feel like it's a part of anything that you can ground yourself in at all. So, I mean, 
you were the first person to cast um, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson together. And yeah. was there anything about that that you were just convinced that they would be dynamite together? Because it obviously it exploded. Funny. Yeah, I was, I, you know, I'd worked with Vince in my first movie and Owen in my second movie. And um, I invited Vince to the Shanghai Nights premiere. And he came and he was like talking to me in the after party. I don't remember what he was doing. Maybe he's giving me notes on the movie or something. Um, even though it was opening in three days. And then um, he, was, he was talking to me. And in the background, I saw Owen talking to his mother. And I looked at them and, and I had them both like stacked up. And I had an Abbott and Costello win in my head, you know, I loved as a kid. I'm just like, oh, wow, look, he talks really fast and he talks slow and he's kind of, you know, it just kind of hit me there. And I went to my agent that night and I said, I'd like to find something with Vincent Owen, you know, and he knew I was, had been looking to do an R-rated comedy. And literally eight weeks later, he called me up and he said, I think I just read the right thing. And uh, it was Wedding Crashers. So it was it's very crazy. Great. They've only been cast together once since we, we were looking at that and we've I been know. covering like each film and each week we say... Would Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn together make this movie better? And I think every yeah. film we feel like this this would be brilliant. That's hilarious. It's <laughs> like you know Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. You know they have they have a specific thing that just really works with them. That's really fun. Um, you know, and uh, the, and these characters were really fun for them. Yeah. You know, there's something very specific about the characters. Um, they like being you know rascals. <laughs> you know, they're kind of in trouble and doing the wrong thing, but you kind of love them and it's okay that they're doing the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, that's the fun of it, I think. On that sort of note, with the, with the film, it's kind of, the characters do kind of come of age as it goes on. Yes. But we, with a lot of the films we've, we've done, we often sort of have, some of them are quite gag heavy and some of them, the character kind of goes on a journey. This one kind of, incorporates both was that a conscious thing to try and make sure that there's gags constantly yeah you know i love that you asked that um you know when i started the movie i remember telling um andrew panay one of the producers that i wanted the movie to have a faster rhythm from the start i i didn't want i was really frustrated with you know i i like shanghai nights a lot the movie did well but I was very frustrated with the sense of like, you start your story, you get going, and then you got to build all this energy to get into your set pieces. Yeah. And then it declines, and then you got to ramp up again. And it's, it, there's an exhausting feeling for, as an audience member. I said, you know, what if we just, it's almost like just changing the tempo from the front. You know, what if the movie's at 6-8? And then when, by the time the comedy and the set pieces happen, like you're in this momentum, this rhythm that's very unique to the movie. And then when you have a couple moments that are kind of more human, like Owen and her on the beach, and you slow down, it feels like suspended animation. It's really wonderful because you've been at a clip. It's actually, it's almost like an x-ray version of what you know a movie's supposed to do. But we were yeah. very aware of that actually. And, and we thought about it and we talked about it a lot. The pacing was something that I knew I wanted to build around Vince. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think this he drives the rhythm of the movie. Yeah. Even from, yeah. like you say, with, with the opening, he certainly drives it. That, that monologue, almost the monologue, he gives that speech about the Latin guy and his quick clips, <laughs> quick, quick clip sentences. Um, I forgot about you, that. 
Oh, well, I, I haven't. It's, a, it's one of my, my favourite quotes from, from yeah. any film. But as I say, that quick awesome. clip, as he get, as yeah. he just ping, 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 it really does set it up for the next ninety minutes. Yeah. Sets the tone, doesn't it? That whole scene. Yeah. He's a killer. You know, the whole time we were shooting, he's like, "You're making me play it too hot. You're, I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go." And I was like, "I, I think people are going to like this. Just keep, keep going." You know. Yeah, something special happened on that movie. It was really, you know. You're very lucky when the chemistry works like that. And you're lucky when you realize you have an actor in a role like the way Vince just kind of yeah. owned the psychology of that, that character. I mean, he, you know, he's very good at taking things that are kind of crazy and insane and making logic for himself as an actor. So he's performing it from a real place. Yeah. You know, he's really upset with John. Like, for real. <laughs> About ridiculous <laughs> shit, you know? The Mahjong game, you know? And, <laughs> But that's uh, that's Vince, and it was it was part of what was really special. With some with some elements, do you have to give them a lot of freedom to sort of play with the character and improvise? And you've kind of got them to because we've we, spoken to a couple of actors and we got their perspective on it, but we haven't spoken to a director. So, kind of thing, does that make you nervous, or do you just say you've got to let him? No, 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 no. Uh, look, I don't leave anything for happenstance on set. You know, we actually spent three weeks rehearsing before we shot that movie. Yeah. Um, and during those rehearsals, I do improvisations based on the scenes. We run the scenes without the dialogue. Okay. Just so I can see the bones of the theater of it, you know. And uh, they would have things that came out all the time, ad-libs and stuff that would happen. And then they would get, I would have a computer and I'd re-script them into the scenes. But when you see them performing on camera, they are performing a scripted version of an improvisation. But so there, what's, I mean, I, I, and I say that because I think it's an incredibly high skill level to make it look like something that natural is happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that spawn, it feels completely spontaneous and it's actually written dialogue that they helped craft inside the script. You know, the script has some dialogue, they bring some stuff to it and um, it, it gets built that way and then they perform it that way, you know, and it's, it's really, uh, it's pretty crazy how they would build a rhythm together, you know, and I wouldn't cut the camera. I would just start it again and start it again and start it again. It would just get hotter and hotter and hotter. It was really fun. Some of the scenes like uh, the shout scene with the like wedding montage that goes through and you've got yeah. the football scene where there's so much going into it. What were they like to film? Because there's so much going on in so many different places. It was crazy. It, it didn't, you know, the dinner table scene is crazy. There's more <laughs> eyelines and points of view and things going on. I mean, it is, you know, my editor really made those scenes work. You know, I shot tons of coverage because I just couldn't tell what was, I knew where I wanted to be on specific moments, but it's hard to understand where you're going to be at any point in, the, in a dinner table scene with 12 people at a table. And they're all doing something funny. Their reaction shots are all great. You know, walking would be like rolling his eyes and doing stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to use half of that stuff. I can't, I can't do the scene through walking. One of the funny scenes was a good example is, you know, when he uh, does the motorboat thing, when he goes up, <laughs> that was something that I remember Vince was like, I, for some reason he was like, I don't like the scene or I, you know, people just want to go to Owen and, and Rachel. That's the A story. Like we don't need the scene. And I was like, please, let's just try it. I, it's really funny. And he's like, well then I got to, you know, I just came in my pants and eat a wet stain on my pants. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> wet stain. On my pants. 
<laughs> super logical. You know, you yeah. think we were doing Arthur Miller <laughs> or Shakespeare. You know, and he's like very serious. He's, he's like, I can't make that turn. I'm so angry with him. Like, why would I all of a sudden be so fascinated with what he did with her? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's play with it and find it. He comes up the steps. He's convinced that the scene's not going to work. And he just nails it on the very first take. And then he turns around and goes, oh, wait, I have another idea. And another idea. And another idea. And by the time you're done shooting seven, eight takes, I'm like, I can't even use, like, the first take was great. <laughs> but I do think part of the, again, part of the madness with Vince is that he makes a turn. That turn is ridiculous. It doesn't really make sense. He made it make sense to himself. Yeah. He found the crazy place where his he's so angry, but he's very, very interested in what happened with Jane Seymour. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he, he's just, you know, he commits to the absurdity. And uh, what he gets out of that is just something very unique to his color as an actor and as a comedian, you know. But Owen used to laugh at us because we'd be in the corner talking about, like, you know, what was the beat before you came in the door? What was the scene before? Like, as if we're doing, and he'd be like, you guys still making The Godfather over there? You know? <laughs> really movie-ish, you know what I mean? Like, as if we were doing theater. And... Uh, and Owen's a very different kind of actor, you know, he's, he's a writer actor, but he also, he's like, he's just talented. He's like a kid with a stick that sees the dragon in the backyard, but he has like a real reaction. But like there's, he doesn't have necessarily training or skill. Like he just is incredibly talented. You know, Vince is a theater actor and Owen's just- When we were looking on um, IMDB, you never know kind of what's accurate in the trivia, but they say that, Vince Vaughn essentially was just kind of feeding lines to the, the grandma and the dinner table scene. And that was just he really was. whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was like across the table. He's like, say this, say this on this one. And she was just looking at me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what he's, you know, he was feeding her really funny lines. Um, he always does that, by the way. He's done that many times you know, <laughs> oh, wow. when we've worked together. He's very generous with the other actors. You know, he wants everyone to do well. You mentioned um, Christopher Walken in that scene. Yeah. We've, from what we gathered, he's got quite a dark sense of humour himself. Was that a bit of a feature on the set? I can imagine that particularly with that sort of scene, there was a lot going on that he's... He's a wonderful and very strange man. You know, I mean, <laughs> such a nice guy. Um, and sometimes trying to work through the what, how to direct him. He has very different adjectives in his head that make sense to him. <laughs> Um, an example was, and I know he was basing some of the character on Ronald Reagan at the time. Um, and he went walking down the aisle in that big wedding in the beginning. Um, and he looked really like looking at the crowd, like at all these people, like there's 500 extras that day. And I went up to him, I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but you know all these people. It's your wedding. Like, so you see, like, kids that you haven't seen in a while that have grown up and stuff. Like, you're probably smiling and waving at people and having a good time. And he goes, like, I have Alzheimer's. And I was like, and, you know, I knew at that point, don't correct him. Like, he may have exactly, that might be the note in his head that makes sense. So he does the next take and he's smiling and he's waving at people and stuff. And I'm like, and he's like, how was that? I'm like, it was great. He's like, okay, get with Alzheimer's. So, that, like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> I say you have, you're familiar with these people, you have warm feelings, and he has Alzheimer's in his head. So <laughs> but it looks great when he walks down the aisle, he's plugged in. So he's, he's, he's just, he's a very different 
than anybody else I've ever worked with, you know, and very committed again, like he comes from a very real place. He's a real actor, you know. Think, thinking they're sort of great, thinking they're sort of great characters, obviously he comes in quite late, but Chaz is obviously a great character. Was it, was it hard not to like, overuse that character? Because a lot of people would just go, right, shove as much Will Ferrell in as possible. That character wasn't even, didn't even show up in the original script. It was oh, wow. something that I could not figure out an all is lost moment for Owen between the second, third act break. And Owen very early on had pitched to me, he goes, maybe in the beginning we crash some funerals too. And I'm like, I don't think that'll work tonally, but he had pitched <laughs> that idea. So I needed a bottom out moment. And I was like, you know, we talk about Chaz. What if you went to go see Chaz and he was crashing funerals? And it was just so grim that it <laughs> sends you back to your friend. And so Owen kind of like wrote most of that scene and it was really funny. And so we got, you know, we were trying to get Will. We didn't get Will till midnight the night before he was shooting. It was one day. Oh, wow. Um, we were having a very hard time confirming him. And we were, we had Nick Cage as a backup. <laughs> I never told Will that. That would have been different. So, yeah. Oh my God. Like crazy. <laughs> Weird. I don't know totally. I mean, by the way, now Nick is a whole other thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally off the reservation. <laughs> um so he uh yeah but will was will was a was a crazy that day he was so good and um you know crying at the funeral he yeah. was just <laughs> was so uncomfortable um but he he was great and he kind of became it was a it was a lovely surprise you know on the dvd there is the audio from the very first screening of the movie ever for an audience when they knew nothing there was no marketing and when he starts coming down the steps, there's no way they can see him. I blacked him out. Like, you cannot see his face. They all start clapping and screaming like they know something's about to happen. They can't know who it is, but they do react. You can find this on the DVD. And we were always like, how did they intuit that? That was crazy. And then when he comes into the light, they all cheer. Um, and he was the perfect, perfect person to play that character. We read that they were mentioning him to play um, like Owen Wilson's role. Was that ever a, a thing? Because that would be like a completely different no. film, you would think. No, I don't think so. Owen had already read the script and was circling it when I got attached, and then I kind of had to chase Vince down. I can say that would have been a completely different <laughs> film. You've got Bradley Cooper in the film, and he obviously plays like almost like the perfect like asshole in the film. When then you look now. And he's like Hollywood's like sweetheart. So could you have envisaged that then seeing how well he plays kind of the hateable person on screen? You know, he, he's one of those actors that when he does, you know, American Sniper is the most internal mm -hmm. performance and you're completely gripped by it. Um, but he just like, you know, by the way, he's the only actor I ever hired in the room of an audition ever. He was so good and I have a rule against doing that. And I was just like, all right, well, that's the guy. I can't even find anybody close to that. Um, and I cast him in the room. I was like, okay, man, I'll see you on, I'll see you at rehearsals. And he was like, really? <laughs> and my director was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, that's the guy, man. I'm sorry. That's no one's going to beat that. That, oh, wow. that was crazy. Um, and then McAdams, I, I almost hired in the room as well because I could not find anyone to play that role. And she was the very last person that came in. I was supposed to go to a meeting at noon 
at New Line because they were going to force me to pick someone because I've seen so many actresses. And she was the, literally the last person that came in at 11. And she was great. And I'm like, I discovered this girl, Rachel McAdams. And they're like, we have her in this movie coming out called The Notebook. Like, you could have, I'm like, tell me about her. Like, this is 200 people later. Yeah. You should have been the first person I looked at. Um, so we got, we got, you know, there was an amazing chemistry with the overall casting in the movie, you know, with Walken and Jane and Kira O'Donnell and Isla Fisher, who was, you know, insane. And like she auditioned with Lisa Beach, my casting director, and she was like on her lap and feeling her up during the audition. I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> She's not going to have any issues. And she did that turn where she said, I love you. And, started crying and I, it was, it was, again, it was just like, it was just crazy enough and believable enough that I didn't know if anyone was ever going to really nail that line, that moment. And she, <laughs> she did it in the audition. She definitely gets the crazy level right in the film. doesn't she? <laughs> oh my God. That's part yeah. of the magic of the film. I think is we obviously talk about the chemistry between uh, Vince and Owen, but it's, considering all the wacky characters that are in there, they do all bounce off each other perfectly. I know you said about the uh, know, scene, it, for example. It's a chemistry set. You know, you really, when you put together a cast, it's like, I think people feel it's much more random sometimes. And yeah. I always feel like there's, you know, when you do television, they make you give a first choice, a second choice, and a third choice for each role. And I'm like, there is no second and third choice. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. if there's the right person for the role, then you got to stick it. You know, you don't, you don't, it's not that malleable. I don't think it is. You know, when you look back and like, would the Matrix have been the Matrix with Will Smith or Brad Pitt? No fucking way. Like, no, no. Part of what's great is that it's kind, it's Keanu, and he can say "whoa" and you, and you laugh for a moment. You know, like, so I do think that stuff when it works, you, it's it's very special when it works. Yeah, um, I mean, when you say you obviously, as you say, it's not that malleable, and you've got your choices in mind. Was there, are you, were you ever nervous that as you're putting it together, did you have an idea in your mind as to how it would work? Or was it just... Did. Not- that, that's why I couldn't, I couldn't find Rachel. Like, Rachel is the heart of the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everybody came in and played it like they were mad with their family. Uh-huh. Okay, you know, that, that she's getting set up with this guy that she's not so sure about. And that, you know, she came in and she loved her family and thought maybe this, she was kind of much more dug into a certain warmth and a certain groundedness about the whole thing. And I looked yeah. at that and I'm like, that's who I'm going to be rooting for at the end of the movie. You know, that like yeah. these guys, she's the one that falls in love and it has to find out that this guy's been lying to her. And, and uh, yeah. you know, she's, she holds that movie together. It's, it really Yeah, because she would have been quite annoying if she had been sort of the rich girl who kind of rebelled against the family that that would have been super annoying every other person came in and did that and even when i tried to direct them out of it i couldn't get it get what i was seeing in my head she came in and nailed it on the first take in the audition and i was like all right well that's gonna be the actor and now i'm gonna play with her i'm gonna make her do a bunch of give her a bunch of bad directions see if she can do it and she could do anything you asked her to do. She was amazing. She was she was a Stradivarius. She was yeah. kind of the foil to some of the crazier stuff as well. You're yeah, kind of a little bit straighter than the rest. Someone's got to hold it down. Yeah, in every yeah. Movie, you know? We've read that the hardest thing to do with a comedy is finding the right ending because so it's not just all this craziness and then just nothing. And this kind of ends perfectly. Was that hard to do, or was it 
really difficult. You know, we had this idea that the guys don't want to, they want to, you know, we didn't want this to be a, a movie where the guys apologize. You know, that was, even though it's a coming of age story for 35 year old men, that's what the movie was. <laughs> we were like, we suck if we apologize for the behavior in the front of the movie. Mm. So we were writing that monologue in the trailer the day of, like we were rewriting and rewriting Owen's monologue when he goes, you know, you know, I've been around a bit, but you know, it got me here, you know, like, yes, forgive him. And then the idea that they are going to take the girls crashing. <laughs> I mean, you know, the movie is a chick flick disguised as a male movie. I mean, it really <laughs> is. you know, it truly does follow much more of the wish fulfillment of the woman's side of the movie than it does with the men. And by the way, whenever you're dealing with sex, I think the women have to be the more empowered and the more grounded in all those scenes. Isla's more powerful. Jane Seymour's more powerful. You know, uh, Claire is, you know, Rachel is, is the heart of the movie and she's, she's innocent. You know, they have, they all have, they're all empowered from their positions um, because otherwise it starts to feel unsafe and it doesn't feel okay yeah. to laugh all that stuff. Yeah. You, you said about the ending there. Is this maybe the longest, you've spoken yeah. about the film before and, and not had a sequel mentioned to you because you Google, I think even when you start typing in Wedding Crashes, Wedding Crashes sequel comes up almost just at the top right by Wedding Crashes. It's really funny. So we sat down and tried to crack a movie and it, and by the way, we, we would have made a fortune, but yeah. 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 we really felt, we really felt, proprietary towards the movie we were like look this one worked out right we, we we nailed what we wanted to do and it's so hard to hit that you know honestly like uh you know it's it's very hard to get something tonally that right and by the way and it was r-rated and they tried to pay me to make a pg-13 i mean they did everything you know we just we stuck to our guns and it worked out yeah and then when we sat down, like we would, Owen and Vince and I would laugh all afternoon thinking of ideas, but they were the same movie. And so we decided not to do it. And then about four years ago, every year I get the call. <laughs> think about it. And then about four years ago, after I hung up, I'm like, no, we're not going to do it. Nobody's really interested at this point. And it would have to be in a, a new story. And I hung up the phone and immediately I'm like, wait a minute, they're now 45. And what happens when you're in your mid forties and all of a sudden you're a single man again, and you can't really date the young girls again, or you look like a loser <laughs> and are you supposed to give up on love. Are you supposed to like, are you supposed to be relegated to this thing where, you know, you're in a different kind of relationship? Like what's okay. What's not okay about that. And by the way, there are men that are in their mid to late forties that maybe they, they want a family, but they never found a girl to settle down with or Maybe that, you know, that is a real issue. And that's a real yeah. story that's very distinct of this generation. So I said, if we build it around that, because the first movie is built around men who haven't grown up, yeah. you know, and what happens with you and your best friend when one of them falls in love? Because what happens in any friendship when you're in high school or whatever, and all of a sudden the girl likes, now you've got the girl around all the time. Like the friendship has to change. So for yeah. me, it was the, the survival of a friendship over romance. Okay. That's what the first movie was. And this movie was like, how do you redefine family when you're in your late 40s as a man? And once we started kicking that around, I brought it to Vincent Owen, and they both really liked it. Um, it started to kind of formulate, and, you know, we're still in the process, but there may be, if there's a chance, and I love that because it's a new movie. 
Like we would yeah. not have to do the same movie. By the way, there, it would be, we would not do it if we didn't think we could make something as good yeah. as the first one. But I think that we're kind of getting, we're circling something now that at least is worthy of a conversation. You know, before yeah. that it would just be, I mean, I grew up with like Jaws 2. <laughs> Jaws yeah. 2, I was psyched out of my mind. And I like 15 minutes in, you have the most depressing feeling. You're like, this is fucking horrible. It just took my money. And, you know, yeah. and I, I never wanted to do that to an audience. You know, we've had that happen so many. I mean, look, there's some movies that are better. You know, Austin Powers 2 was better, I thought, than the first movie. It was really funny. Um, it does happen. But nine times out of ten, it's a studio going for a money grab. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, sorry, go on, Matt. Sorry, Matt. I was going to say, I think um, I, I, it's commendable. Not that for me it means too much, but I think it must be. <laughs> There, there can't be too many people in that position who turned down the pressure from the studio and the chance to make that much money. Like, as you say, I don't know why I did it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I didn't do it. I would have been retired now. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm so stupid. I remember Roger Birnbaum who produced uh, Shanghai nights saw me. Um, he came to the premiere and he walked out and he goes, I've told you this before. Never give up your franchise. This is one of those movies. If they, you should be pushing to make a sequel. And I knew it was just that for him it was about money too. And I was like, he's right, but I can't do it. You know. By the way, yeah. for me, movies are really you know, for the eighteen months to two years that you're on a movie, it's you don't do anything else. It's obsessive. Um, you're completely inundated. There's not a day off. And when I finish a film, I really don't want to make the same thing again. Like you know, my yeah. agents hate me. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, I'm gonna make, now I'm going to make the judge. And they're like, oh, Christ. You know, like, I, can't walk a I can't walk a straight line. I'm just never interested in doing the same thing I just finished. So it, it it's probably with, affected my career, but that's okay. The film, I mean, we were, I think, 11 when Wedding Crashes came out. So we would have seen it later. But it's still, yeah. I imagine, just as funny to us watching it then as it was when it came out. And then you got it. The cinema release was obviously very successful, then the DVD release was very successful, and now it's on Netflix, for example. And so it never really dies because you're constantly getting new fans coming and coming and coming onto it. It's really weird. You know, my son, when we were shooting Eurovision in London, uh, my son went to sleepaway camp, one of those PGL camps, and he came yeah. back after a couple of weeks and he was like, uh, There are two things, Dad. Number one, I know what Pornhub is. I'm like, great. <laughs> He's 12 years old. And, 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 and number, number two, he goes, I'm the only kid in my entire bunk that had not seen Wedding Crashers. And it's embarrassing. You're my dad. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, so I, I, I finally showed him uh, over you know, uh, Thanksgiving here last year with his cousins and everything around. And he liked it. <laughs> That's, That's, a That's already Yeah. yeah. But it was it was a very funny thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, the, every generation has their moment with this movie. It's kind of crazy. You said before about them previously trying to get you to get it down to say like a PG or whatever. Would Neither. with making a sequel, would you worry about how sort of the climate's a little bit different now that you'd have to adjust it slightly? Because obviously, uh, you know, you want to keep the magic of the film. There's stuff in the movie that maybe wouldn't fly right now. You know what I yeah. mean? Like the grandmother is like she's probably gonna go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I also do believe that, you know, we're in a very unique moment. I don't believe in being politically correct in comedy or any kind of art. I think that's bullshit. And I think that uh, 
you know, I think right now justice is more important than comedy in, in, overall. I think that we're in a moment that is just too important. But I also kind of, you know, I'm going to walk into it one of these days because I just don't care. I, you know, yeah. I, and I don't think you can. I think irreverence is part of what, I love Richard Pryor, you know, I loved it because yeah, no yeah. one had ever heard anyone say the N-word on stage and you were like, what, what is going on here? You know, I love that and I loved 48 Hours. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but when he goes into the honky-tonk bar with the <laughs> badge, you're like, I was in the theater for that and the place went insane. No one had ever <laughs> put their head around that kind of a thing and I just think that it's really important. I don't think that in America we would have had gay marriage ever passed without Ellen DeGeneres and Will and Grace. Like the yeah. art is part of what makes people open their minds. So it's like the idea of like over editing. I don't think art should be edited. Any form no. of art, by the way, not but painting, not, you know, my father was in, I grew up in Washington DC and there's a gallery called the Corcoran gallery of gallery of art there. And they banned the Robert Maplethorpe show. And he had been a member of that, gallery for 20 years and he pulled his membership and he wrote a huge letter he put it in the washington post and he was just pissed off you know and that was the 80s yeah, <laughs> yeah. not that long ago that you know no, no. Talking, well, you can put homoerotic art up and whether it is art or not and it was like everyone else in the world understood what it was and there was you were in dc with them with their heads up their asses you know i had one time in the movie the change up when the head of the studio who was Jewish came up to me and said, I don't like that Jew joke, which by the way, got a huge laugh. <laughs> I was like, I'm Jewish. It's actually the only joke I'm allowed to say. <laughs> and I, and I did think that uh, we should never look at, we should never do that. I, I believe in being an equal opportunity offender. Everybody should take a swing at everybody. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, definitely. <laughs> Is there any line in particular that still gets quoted to you or over anything else? Well, I can tell you that, you know, I saw Chris Walken a few years later and he was like, people scream meatballs at me when I walk down the street <laughs> because I'm not even in that scene. He's like, I'm in the cowbell skit with him and they scream meatballs at me. I was like, that is weird. <laughs> right? Why would they do that? They have him and Will. You know, they remember the cowbell and then they put the meatballs. But, um, yeah, lock it up happens a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's so many lines, you know, Crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. <laughs> does. So people, yeah, you, weird stuff like that, you know. I don't even know. There's so many lines in that movie. Um, just, just quickly, I mean, obviously we're talking about acceptance and, and justice. Yeah. Comedy, do, do you think, I mean, do you think comedy, depending on which way you go, as you've said about being an equal, offend, equal opportunity offender, but depending on what way you go with it, do you not think comedy and the need to laugh bring, and the way that comedy brings things into the zeitgeist can be used as a force, as a force oh to push God. things forward. Like it can Incredible. go the other way. Yes. It can go the no, other no, way no, no, and no. it can be offensive. But even if it goes the other way, it raises the conversation. Like that's yeah, it, why I don't mind it. Like if you do something wrong, let's talk about it and see how that works. But you know, um, yeah. I, I do think that, I think it's necessary. I don't understand. By the way, the ability, you cannot make a joke about tragedy too close to it. You definitely need yeah. time. No, yeah, like that's what they say. The uh, Louis C.K. going out and making jokes about kids getting shot was fucking stupid as shit. Like, you're, you're waiting to come back and you're going to start there? I mean, I yeah. love that guy. Like, he is my favorite stand-up of this generation. 
And I was like, Ooh, that's just not cool. It's not going to work. You know what I mean? I don't know if that would ever work. Um, no. But that guy has gotten away with murder. I mean, he has done, I mean, and I love it. You know, when he talks about, I can't even, I don't even want to say it on air, but you know, <laughs> you know, that last standup that he did before he got in trouble, which yeah. I think is called 2017. Do you remember how he opens that and he goes, abortion. He's like, you know, it's either having a shit or killing a life, killing a baby. You know, you're like, and he goes through this and you're like, you know, he gets away with it. And then but yeah. he reaches that funny moment where he goes, so basically it is killing a life, but I think mothers should be able to kill their babies. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you can't even explain why you're laughing with him. You know, so no. he does have a handle on some really outrageous comedy and some people really can pull it off. But man, it's, it's tough. It no, is, and I do, I do think with some things, obviously it can go the wrong way, but I do think you're right. I, do, I, I think it's necessary. I think it's easier to hold up hold up a mirror when it's in a light-hearted way. No, no yeah. one really, if you're holding up a mirror harshly, it's got to be yeah. a brave person who really takes a look at it. But if you do it lightly and you move it ever so slowly and push the Absolutely. needle, it's, it's, it's easier to do. It's tone and touch, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, yeah. And it's a, sense of, it's a sensibility, and that's what you get with you know, certain actors and certain writers, and hopefully as a director, you, you figure those things out. Um, but I, I do think that like, it, it, it is important for us to be able to laugh at stuff. You know, Springtime for Hitler, was that the name of the song? Yeah, uh, from the producers, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a Jewish kid that was, grew up with way too much never forget being pounded into my head, um, which is probably why I'm not religious now, because it's just miserable. But, <laughs> You know, I still feel very obviously the Holocaust, being able to joke about the Holocaust, that's pretty fucking ballsy. And <laughs> he pulled it off. Yeah. You were laughing yeah. with it. Oh, I remember going to see that play with my 93-year-old grandmother when it went on to Broadway. And I took her and watching her laugh. And I'm like, she lived through that. And she's laughing at it. That's <laughs> important. Like that, yeah. I think that that's how you heal. When you can finally laugh at something, you know, because – we take everything too seriously. You know? A little bit like you said with the with the old lady in the wedding process. It's a shame there's got a sort of climate where that couldn't be said because the whole point of that character is we're kind of laughing at her and having that you're, and that sort of thing. It's not you you're don't not one side. Okay, what she's you don't think it's okay? No, but you're, you're laughing at another generation, and she's from white privilege, and she's totally doesn't yeah. get the whole thing. And that actor that's playing the butler his reactions are what make it work. Yeah. He's yeah, pulling yeah. his eyes and she's like, she's a moron. And so you can laugh with him at her. So yeah. if he wasn't, if he looked hurt by what she said, it would never, you'd never be able to laugh. The whole thing would fall flat, wouldn't it? You'd suddenly feel, yeah. you'd feel uncomfortable. Look, I remember it was very funny on Shanghai nights. Jackie Chan said to me, Make sure you always shoot my whole thing, even though I'm not talking sometimes. And I, my, my, you know, and I was like, I always shoot everybody's close up. Don't worry. And he goes because if you get in the editing room and if you get into the editing room and there's not a laugh, just cut to my reaction, and you'll get a laugh. <laughs> and I remember yeah. being in the editing room at one point. I couldn't get a certain scene to work, and I was like, we should let's see what Jackie's doing right after this line. He doesn't have a line, but. Man, he was right. I mean, I'm telling you, there's a dozen places in that movie where I just cut to his reaction and get a huge laugh. I was like, oh my God, this guy's a genius. You know, because his reaction is befuddled. 
Mm. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't, you know, so like everything can fly from there because he's, he's innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and Owen's a, a scoundrel. So it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. When you uh, when you have to go to like a regular wedding now, is everything a bit underwhelming when you've done a film like this? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that you know that <laughs> montage was was the best version of a, what a, I think a wedding could be for me. That's what it's like in everyone's mind. A wedding is like that, and then when it gets to a wedding, it's not quite. <laughs> I know, and you're like, oh my god, can we get through this? Yeah, you know, it was funny because um, the the marketing department was worried that we couldn't sell the movie because they thought these guys were predators, and I was like, what? They're like, yeah, they're going to a wedding. They lie about who they are so they can trick these girls into sleeping with them. And I'm like, whoa, I don't see it that way at no. all. I think they actually go to the weddings because they love the weddings. They like the free food. They like the dancing. They love the music. They hear all their favorite songs. And they like talking to the grandparents and the kids. And then they get the girl. That's like the byproduct. And I'm like, yeah. that's kind of what a seduction really is. You want to be seduced. You want to be convinced that it's okay to do what you're going to do. You know, and... Uh, when it comes to getting in bed with someone. And that permission is what they provide through the way that they are. And by the way, they make the, they make the weddings look like it's the most fun wedding ever. They're not <laughs> yes. ruining They're a fixture of it, aren't they? You know, they're cutting the cake and doing speeches. <laughs> I know, it's but... insane. Well, it started becoming funnier and funnier to think about, like, well, could they actually give, give a speech? Yeah, you know, what, yeah. What, like, how far would these guys go? Um, and I think that's part of what, why that montage is so fun, because you're like, how deep have they ingrained you know they're up there cutting the cake and they're eating it you know? <laughs> by the way that was funny that was not in the script vince eating everything so i had known vince since my first movie we we're friends and every time i go to eat with vince he eats my food <laughs> you know on my plate you're gonna finish that cheeseburger again those fries you know and he would eat off my plate all the time and that was like this wonderful thing. Like as soon as we started shooting, I'm like, eat off of Owen's plate. Just keep eating off of Owen's plate whenever you're <laughs> – Owen get frustrated. He's like, why is he eating my food? I'm like, it's just funny. Just let him keep eating. Yeah. <laughs> and he eats so much. He's such a big guy. You know, so that was a, one of the special little touches that just kind of showed up um, on the set, you know, and it was just kind of – and we kept adding it everywhere we went. That's one of the things that's special about the film, I find, is I've watched it so many times. You, when you watch it back another time, you'll find a little, another little thing that just makes you laugh. I little weird stuff. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I, I, you know, I hadn't seen the movie since the premiere. So when I watched it with my 12-year-old, there's this great moment in the montage where the music drops out. And it's just kind of raw, natural dialogue of them laughing and doing this thing with the pair. And then it kicks back in and it goes again. It's like this empty bridge. Like that whole thing was a new song in my mind, you know, and I was yeah. like that wedding crashes montage was only like a page. Uh, and I had this idea. I'm like, I was so obsessed with wanting an action set piece, a comedy action set piece in the front of the movie. I was like, I want to blow people out of the water so hard that by the time Owen's confused with the girl in bed, you're confused. You're also being <laughs> fun around. So you're right with him. And you feel like you just watched the funniest thing. Because, you know, like, when you go to, like, a great James Bond movie or a great action movie, if the opening destroys, you sit back like you made your money's worth was paid for, and you trust the filmmakers. They get away with murder after that if they, if they open right. And I really believe, like, I was like, why can't a comedy do that? Why can't we just be so fucking killer out of the gates that by the time you're 15 minutes into the movie, 
we've taught you what crashing is because it seemed a little weird and esoteric to explain it. Like we, yeah. it's very hard, but the montage was the solution and it provided like this crazy thing that I was able to shape in my music video background was yeah. able to kick it in. Double time the song, re-recorded the song, double time the, all the key parts and so that I could cut that quickly to it. Cause it's actually not that fast a song. Um, but I remember, so the first week of shooting was all the montage. Because oh, wow. I knew that if it went later and we went over schedule, it would get crushed. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was four days of shooting for that montage. And I remember Vince is like, how many bottles of champagne do you think we need? I'm like, dude, <laughs> pop, I got it in my head. We got to do it. You know, and he was just getting frustrated with popping and popping in every wedding. And, you know, the repetition was insane. And on day three, the studio was like, are you still shooting this scene? <laughs> yeah, 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 we'll be done tomorrow, don't worry. And that was why we got away with it, you know? We literally almost took a whole week of shooting on a very tight schedule to give that that moment because I just, that was my happiest moment was when I realized that we had nailed that. I was like, it takes so much weight off the rest of the movie, yeah. you know? It really does. <laughs> I think that bit is potentially where you see all that you said about so many different sort of audiences come into it. I think potentially that could be the bit where it's sealed that because you could just have young men interested in this film, but anybody would want to be part of this wedding. It was so fun and so outrageous and so figurative. And, you know, like it was audacious too. you know, the bottles of champagne popping after they put the girls on the beds. That whole <laughs> thing was like, I was pretty sure, you know, the head of New Line came at me and was like, I will give you a lot of money if you will take the breasts out of the movie. <laughs> I'm not doing that. This is a movie that is about sex to love. It's about men growing up beyond sex and moving on to love. And it has to start in somewhere authentic. Like, it has to. And I never told them I shot them with their bras on. I never <laughs> told them. I was like, we don't have it. We just don't, we literally don't have it. I didn't print those dailies. I had them in my back pocket. In case it was totally, in case it tipped, I was worried that it would tip for me. Um, and uh, it was funny. They, they offered me more money than they paid me on the movie to make it PG-13. Wow. It was really hard because I didn't have money then. So I was like, Ugh, I should really just say yes. Like, who cares? But the movie had already tested a 94 and we just... I didn't want to touch it, you know. You're, I didn't want to touch it. So, and a little bit like you, a little bit like you said as well. The the men in there are always in the weaker position, so there's no. That's kind you of what has to come in. There's, never any there's nothing dark and skeevy about no. how it's presented, and and that's that's just you know um, the combination of the guys and the material and me and just you know I I kind of always make things very human and grounded and silly you know the silliness yeah. is what was really important it's a very silly movie i mean the characters are ridiculous <laughs> it's so funny i forgot about that fight when he calls him an asshole on the street at the end yeah. you know, i was like holy shit like we really took this seriously like we had like a full breakup and you're sleeping you're with her but what you know like it was so crazy the way this movie got put together um, and what we thought we were doing with the romance between these two guys, you know, that's, that was what was so funny. It was like, they go through a whole um, romantic comedy arc together. <laughs> and I think that that's part of what makes it so sweet, you know, is that they really do have, you know, Vince is in love with Owen, basically. <laughs> you know, that's kind of disappointing, although he bullies him. 
Obviously, as, as you said, it all, all worked out perfectly. And thank you again for your time today. We really appreciate it. It's been great speaking really with you. Really fun, you guys. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, great. great. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, yeah, we'll look no, forward to the brilliant. potential sequel. <laughs> you got it. I'll let you know. Thank you. Got you, three at least. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. Cheers. Take care.